Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Camden. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Our show may not be suitable for young children. What the hell? <laughs> but neither is our D&D games. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by our very generous Patreon donors. If you don't know what Patreon is, it's a membership platform for creators to build wonderful relationships with their most loyal of fans known as patrons. It's a tier-based reward system that allows you to support your favorite creators for as little as $11, I'm sorry, for as little as $1 a month. In exchange, you are offered exclusive content based on the tier that you select, such as the absolute awesome game that we just ran this weekend with our patrons. It was so much fun. I had a blast. You heard him. New Windows 11. <laughs> yeah, man. I really felt like it. It was so such a blast. I felt like I was an evocation wizard, and we were just blowing shit up. It was pretty gore. Bam, bam, bam. And our patrons were awesome. Um, I have to say, Joe ran a, a character concept that was essentially like a little... Uh, little santa claus character he was throwing out eldritch blasts that were like those uh christmas uh red and uh oh oh, oh. red and green christmas uh bulbs yeah, he's, he's head elf <laughs> he had a oh. naughty list and everything it was fantastic mizu the great <laughs> um so that was fan it was a really fun game um I'm, a lot of our uh we had six players you can check it out at twitch.tv slash crit academy and not only do you have a chance to play our monthly D games but our other rewards also include a private Discord channel. The yeah. live stream that some of you are witnessing right, right now. now. Yeah. Custom tokens. Enter to win free commission art. And even the monthly pa- patron hangout. Yeah, it's a, it, there's a lot of good stuff on there, so check it out. And also, Brandon also offers full body color art for 20 bucks. Or sh- shoulder line art for 8 yeah, his art is really good, and he's doing a really large commission right now. Yeah, it's like a whole group, and it looks fantastic. I've been watching That's it. That's cool. I um, love I love cruising through the D and D like the main D and D subreddit, and just uh-huh. looking at people's parties that they've commissioned. Yeah. That's so, it's that's so cool. So thank you for joining us today here at Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. Yep, that's right. Your roles are like an easy to acquire achievement. I'm really excited for our show today, um, but before every episode, we like to start off on a high note by giving away amazing prizes, compliments of our awesome sponsors. Each episode, we will draw one lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the five-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned, compliments of Goblin Stone. Goblin Stone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to get published. Be sure to head over to www.goblinstone.com or you can check out our fellowship link on our website, www.critacademy.com. Ian, who is our winner for Goblinstone? Why, today, our winner is one of our patrons, Matthew Dodwell. Although I think one can make a very argument that his name's actually Matthew Dudwell. Oh. I'm going to go with Dodwell. Unless he sends me in. You call him a dude? Dudewell? Dude did well. 
Dudwell. Dodwell. Um, congratulations, Matthew. Thank you for supporting the show, and congratulations on your prize. If you enjoy the adventure, please head on over to goblinstone.com and let him know what you think. Leave him a review. Tell him what you like, what you don't like, so he can improve his products moving forward. Today we got a really great show for you today. Our main, our, our let's talk about blank segment question is uh, pretty simple, um, but I think it, it is ha, ha, can be kind of uh, an interesting conversation piece. Our main topic today will be campaign achievements, and of course we have our uh, our final segment, our unearthed tips and tricks, where we bring new and reusable material for you to bring with you on your next adventure. But before all that, we have in the realm. We talk about a little bit of what's going on in our life. Camden, what's going on in your life? Um, today I turned 22. Happy birthday! Why are you here with us? Good question. I'm not doing anything. I took off of work just to like purposefully be able to have free time to do what I enjoy, and this is that's awesome. So, um, but yeah, doing doing things uh, i got a gift for myself shouts out wicked clothing for this um t-shirt um it's pretty 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 cool it says necromancy for beginners <laughs> that's hot man i think i've seen that one online it's like a it's like a it's like themed like a children's book you know um but yeah other than that uh the we did the the one shot um this past saturday that was pretty cool got my roommate involved yeah um, did he blue, did, did he enjoy blue. it yeah he did absolutely he looks forward to the next one and remember, uh, when you're a necromancer, is it easy to raise a family when they're all buried next to each other? Oh, God. I guess last but not least, I blew $80 at my local game store. Dude, I love it. Support those guys. Yeah, going, going in on... Um, Anything particular? Really uh, yeah, out? I just needed some fresh minis. Um, more dice, as always. And, <laughs> dice, um, dice, baby. Reincarnated tiles for maps and stuff, which is cool. They have, they have a we got the dungeon box and the wilderness box. That um, sounds awesome. When I was in playing fourth edition, I love those sets of um, little gridded tiles that they made. I think they were great. In fact, I still have a whole bunch of them. Um, it's a fantastic investment when you use the grid. Well, happy birthday, Camden. Thank I'm you. I'm glad well, you with, got yourself with that, some nice stuff. Ian, what is going on in your realm? Well, what's going on in my realm big time is the fact they keep changing my shifts on me at work for the past couple of weeks. <laughs> To do a uh, cover vacation, so not only am I working 5 a.m. to 2 p.m., but they keep pulling me back to 3 a.m. to 12 p.m., and that is wreaking havoc on my sleep schedule. Man, I hope you you should be, like, asking for a raise for a little while, at least a temporary one or a permanent one, because that's tough. Something. Sorry to hear that. Yep. But we also did manage to, because uh, our Friday game got canceled, we ended up going to a board game group I knew instead. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, I won. I actually think I posted a picture on the uh, on the patron page uh, of me kicking everyone's ass with Kung Fu Panda. And King of Tokyo. Yeah, I destroyed them. Then we played Valera. If you haven't played Valera, that is a bitchin' ass game. Uh, oh, yeah, Valeria. Valeria, sorry. I had the wrong name. Just two versions, too. We played the bigger one. Yeah, I put, I put it on my birthday list, so we'll see. Good choice. It was fun. I can't recommend those games enough. And Justin, what's going in your realm? Well, Ian, thank you for asking. Um, I'm working a lot on our Honor Tips and Tricks book, and I get angry really easy. So there's been many times on Saturday that I just said F it and went and did something else for a little bit and had to come back and work on it because I was getting so mad because I couldn't get like the formatting right and stuff. So that's consuming a, a way more time than I wanted. Plus, I'm trying to work on the, the, the adventure too. And I realized trying to do two things simultaneously is not a good idea. Um, because now both things are slowed down. Um, they're both moving forward, um, just at a snail's pace, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, there's that. Yeah. Oh, and my birthday is in, like, next week, so that's exciting. Oh, and it's also freaking hot outside. 
Yeah, nobody cares about that. But it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I would get out of my car and my balls were sticking to the seat because I had short shorts uh. on. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, did not need that little image. <laughs> you, already, you already verbalized. We don't need a sound effect. <laughs> I think that'll do it for our uh, our in the realm Camden. If they'd like to visit other realms, how can they do that? Why they can uh, they can <laughs> go for an Audible free trial, which they can find at our website at CritAcademy.com. Clicking on the Audible banner when you sign up, you get a free book. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, I'm just finishing uh, the first book of Aragon again. It's the first time I listened to it as an audiobook, but I've read it a bunch, and it's awesome. <laughs> so I, yeah, I great, good. great sources of inspiration there that you can just get while you're driving and commuting and shit. It's fantastic. When you're not listening to our show, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to our next segment, we have our Let's Talk About Blank segment where we get answer, or questions. We answer questions from you, our listeners. Uh, this comes from Facebook from CTAN. Can minor illusion be used to distract a monster, giving a party member advantage? Camden, what do you think of that? It depends on what they're trying to get advantage on. And this would be an instance where if I were DMing this and they tried to use minor, minor illusion on a monster to get advantage on something or give the monster disadvantage on something, everything's up to the DM's discretion, obviously, but it would need to be something pretty fantastic as an illusion you think so that's it anyway. so. and you, honestly when i when 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 i when i got this there was like 80 responses and <laughs> a lot of them said very much what you said yeah i mean as long as you what can do you think ian i mean as long as you give a good example you can justify what you're doing things a player i would definitely say yes as long as uh living it to dm discretion same as candom all right and honestly you guys are in the majority that is what majority people um say and now i'm going to tell you why you're both wrong because there's a mechanic in the game for what this person wants to do. Assist? It's called the help mechanic. Why not let him reflavor as him using his cantrip? It's literally the same thing. The only advantage I think he might get is the range on the, the minor illusion. And I couldn't get that across to anybody. So obviously I'm in the minority, but if a player decided they wanted to use their action to give another player advantage, there's a mechanic that's been designed. Who cares what the way they do it is, right? I mean, like, uh, for example, if you use my illusion to, like, uh, hide the pit trap, I could definitely see you giving an enemy disadvantage. So just an example, the opposite of what's being asked here. Oh, yeah, okay, I could see that. Like, they, they, they trip on it and fall and messes up their attack or something. Or you make a make it look like there's a, uh, door, a door when there's not, and that might be a good way to give a, a rogue advantage to a stealth checker or an attack for a surprise. Yeah, and so, I mean, you got and, and I don't want to be confused. I'm, I don't believe everyone's wrong in what they say. I understand that the mechanic itself for Minor Illusion doesn't say anything about that. But since there is a mechanic, we just go back to the whole reflavoring thing. Oh, you want to trick somebody into thinking they see a big spooky ghost? Ooh, and give advantage to your ally? Okay, so basically what you're telling me is you want to take the help action, but you want to make an image or something to make it look cooler. Or you find a scared little crap of a commander. You, you didn't make the sound of a predator in the jungle. <laughs> but and here's, it, here's, the, here's the question. It can definitely be interpreted as, as the help action. Minor illusion is non-concentration, and it lasts for one minute. Would they have to take their action to help on each of their actions that they want to do that? Yes. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Because once somebody interacts, interacts with the illusion, it, they know it's fake. So you could argue right. that once the advantage and distraction is in place, physical, they have found... A physical illusion, uh, anyway. Like a, uh, right. Maybe not like a sound or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I can see that. Once again, I once the, if it's just a distraction, it's only supposed to catch their attention for an instant. Now, I would agree that I wouldn't let it extend the full duration of a single like minor illusion effect, but you can have up to three minor illusion effects. Now, that being said, I still would just consider it the help action, and if he decided he wanted to make a big bang firecracker noise every single round, have at it, man. But it's still going to consume your action. Or create a humanoid shape shimmer in the air with a predator noise. <laughs> Except, you know, that, yeah, people have done that, create creepy noises to kind of be like, oh, what the fuck is that? Um, but anyways, um, a lot of people seem to thought that it might be unbalanced or overpowered, and the fact that there's a mechanic that kind of does that, this person's just trying to flavor it. But I did not, uh, I, I do see your point with it lasting up to a minute, but I would also say that once they're distracted, they probably won't be distracted by the exact same thing again. Yeah. At least the same person, anyway. Did you have any other comments on it? Oh, you have to do it right, just no question about it. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Ray says, uh, if they give it flavor, I'm fine with it. Kenny Ray. That's an awesome name, by the way. Get it? Kenny Ray, awesome name, by the way. See what I did there? That'll do it for our Let's Talk About Blank segment. On to our main topic. I'm really excited about this topic, uh, campaign achievements. Uh, obviously, anybody that listens to the show knows almost all of us play video games, right? That's a, a pretty common, common thing. Um, so you might be asking yourself, well, what is a campaign achievement? It is a predefined goal that the players must achieve in a game. In this case, the idea comes from you know things like video games, for instance. A player may... Er like uh, the achievements from Xbox or the PSN trophies. Right. Uh, a player may earn them just through playing the game, but some can only be earned in very specific circumstances, thus giving the player some sort of self-satisfaction um, or a way kind of to impress other people with their accomplishments, right? Headshot. I think in Xbox, it's a gamer score, right? Is that, is that right? Anybody know? Yep. Um, That's about right. Today, we'll be discussing how achievements can be constructed to be added to a D&D &D game by being enticing and meaningful for players. Oftentimes, achievements are used to convince players to go out of their way to do things they probably wouldn't normally do. So this is a great way uh, to kind of figure out what is important to each player, right? Because you have some people who want to be the best at the highest damage, right? So if there's an achievement out there, they might try to build their character to be the highest damage dealer. If they know that their character wants to be uh, like a, 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 some sort of manipulator, they might find the maybe one of the achievements is, is, is manipulate a king into doing your bidding or some shit like that. Um, you, can, you, can drive character, you can drive players' wants and desires using achievements, even if that's not your, your initial intent. Oh, great. Now I'm thinking about that one part in Portal 2. There's a lot of one parts in Portal 2. Can oh, I know. Be a little more specific. Well, when, when you're flying through a shaft in class, like, oh, that's supposed to be the part where he kills you. Hello! That's the part where I kill you. Chapter 12, the part where he kills you. Achievement earned, the part where he kills you. Oh, jeez. Have you played, uh, Camden, have you played Portal? Uh, yes. Amazing. Uh, I'm not a, a, lot of a lot of the people who play Portal are, like, hardcore Portal fans, and that's, in a lot of cases, like, they're really weird about puzzle games because of Portal. <laughs> uh, I'm not one of those, but I was definitely into Portal at some point. The goal is, uh, overall is to increase player loyalty, motivations, and interests in the campaign, in addition to adding a new layer to their fun. I personally love when players come up with extremely creative solutions to problems or uh, come up with ways, uh, unique solutions um, to, to accomplish whatever challenge I've set out. Or if they just go out of the way to, to have a quote-unquote cool moment. Um, and achievements can really help encourage, in, in, um, can really help encourage uh, this sort of behavior. 
Another thing is they can be helpful for uh, outside of the game as well. Now, I, I found this in, uh, kind of accidentally, but um, they're a great way to generate plot hooks and, and quests. Because if, if you read some of them, and we're going to get to them, you'll, you'll figure out why they, <laughs> why they are good for plot hooks um, specifically. You know? So with that being said, we'll be going over some achievements that we've got from Scribd.com. But uh, when you are doing the, the process, whether you're getting them from this website or you're creating them yourselves, try to include the players in the creative uh, process. Because if you do and they come up with some cool stuff, it'll dri drive them to be more involved in the world you're making, which is always important as a DM. So keep in mind, though, achievements can only be earned by a player once, right? Ding! Since Camden is our guest... Would you like to maybe pick out one or two to talk about and tell them why you like them and see what kind of discussion we can get from them? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, I think doing it from behind is funny. Uh, <laughs> if, you have a rogue, if you have a rogue in your party, obviously. Right, um, right. What does that uh, do? So this is uh, successfully killing 10 enemies with a sneak attack. So nice. this is 2-0 you know, HP with a sneak attack. That's pretty fun. So, I think that's really cool, especially if you have a if you have a power gamer who is trying to build an assassin mm -hmm. character. I liked that one a lot. I also enjoy uh, "Can't Keep Me Down" um, as like a a recovery achievement, um, and that is recovering back from zero HP three times in a single encounter. So even the person who sucks ends right. up with something <laughs> very accessible. It's <laughs> uh, funny. Yeah, I really, those are some really good examples. Um, I, one of the other ones I put on here, which is kind of um, straightforward, was Headhunter. It's decapitate 30, 30 enemies. Now, it's been a long, I've played a lot of D&D. I don't rec recall very often somebody actually going out of the way to decapitate what they've killed. Anybody else? Uh, I may have had the Barbarian that did that quite a bit. Maybe as part of his character concept? Mm. Maybe. Uh, Ian, do you, what, what ones do you like? Well, actually, one I even thought about just from reading this was like, uh, I feel like I once saw one called Thunk Headshot, <laughs> where you essentially one shot at least 10 enemies with a projectile weapon. Oh, that's nice. Uh, Which was not on the list, but still. I'm a huge Pulp Fiction fan, so when I read this one, I couldn't stop cracking it up, and it says, does he look like a bitch? It just says successfully interrogate an NPC. Yeah, I like that one too. <laughs> That's one of my favorite ones. Um, there's some other really good ones in here. Like um, one again, I've I just recently talked about one of my favorite movies, and the second one just came out, The Incredibles. So uh, there's one here that I got here. It says, uh, "You got me monologuing." It says, "Take advantage of a talkative villain," which I think a lot of players do often tend to do. Oh yeah, <laughs> like uh, he begins talking. I'm gonna stab him in the gut. <laughs> Um, and some of them aren't as uh, obvious. Like, uh, and, and what's really cool is these ones on this uh, Scrib.com website, um, they are in like a cutout form with like the D&D logo. So I could easily see you like cu cutting these out and like sticking them to like uh, a board underneath all the characters' names as they, they collect these achievements. I think that's pretty cool. Um, what's, a, what's a couple other ones you like here, Cam Camden? Either on our, our sample list or uh, on the original list. Um, on the sample list, there's one called What Are You, Psychic? Which <laughs> is encouraging metagaming, question mark? Well, it's either encouraging it or they done fucked up and they got it and now everyone knows. <laughs> or it could be dissuading it, right? Okay, that's funny. So it's a it's an achievement publicly shaming. Yes. 
but rewarding hits. <laughs> you know what? I take back giving multiples. I would love to see just like one player have like Hell 30 yeah. of these things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's such a douche thing. <laughs> well, let me see here. Ultra combo. Pull off a successful combat attack with three or more characters. <laughs> That's something that we've talked about extensively on the show trying to work towards. Um, by making a, a, an achievement for it, it will encourage the players to want to do that. You know what I mean? So not only are these really neat little references, because I, I, I feel like that if the players started earning these, they would remember those moments really clearly too, how they got that, especially if it was a more difficult one. I could even see you maybe even rating these, like like copper, silver, and gold, how difficult they would be to, to, uh, to obtain. Um, <laughs> And I don't see anything wrong with coming up with uh, some achievements on the spot if you're the DM, too. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, these are just samples. Um, a lot of the sample ones on our, on our page here that aren't part of the link are some that I, I had come up with um, just by sitting, uh, sitting with them. Like, you know, they're, obviously, um, there's a lot of movie references, as, as Sarah has pointed out, which oh, I yeah. think is, is really cool because, once again, it kind of adds to that flair to it. Um, one of the, there's a... Uh, there's one really here. I one of my favorite movies was Sparta, the uh, 300. Have you seen it? Of course. Um, and so this is this is Sparta, and, and the achievement is just kick somebody off a ledge to their death. Can you imagine one guy who wants that just trying to kick everybody off? Like I kicked him off a set of stairs. Does that count? No. Okay. I thought it would. What about this one? Prop master, bring a campaign related prop to session. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. I Big love fan. stuff like that. Oh. Um, uh, Oh, heck no. These are not made known to the players beforehand. Yeah, uh, Kenny uh, Ray actually asked, are these made uh, known to the players beforehand, or are they just happen? Um, I think you could probably go either way. Mix and match, maybe. Or mix and match, yeah. Maybe you've got some that, hey, here's some achievements we've got, and then I want you to know there are some hidden ones that might just occur when you guys do really cool things. Or ones that make up on, on the spot, because it's awesome. Yeah, well, I wouldn't even tell them that. I would just say that there's some ones, and if you have to create and fill them out to your, to your heart's content, that, you know, that's fine, too. I would, I would say that that would be specific to your table. If you have a lot of very outgoing people who love the role play and doing weird shit, definitely don't tell them that these are things specifically. Um, you can let them know that you're doing inspiration for uh, certain achievement things. Um, but if you have a more introverted table and you're having trouble, maybe some beginners at the table, to kind of pull them out of their shells a little bit, you might be like, hey... Here's a cookie. You do this. Yeah, that's 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 actually a really great point. Is that the and I think we you've touched on it perfectly. Is there this can be a tool to pull people out of their their shell and into the game more, especially since they've got like vi movie references. I think that could kind of handle it. Like this one here says blue, no, yellow, and it says die from a puzzle. <laughs> Anybody who's seen Monty Python knows that reference. Actually, yeah. from the same movie, I just thought the achievement. Rabbit's dynamite! Where you get basically get critted on by a woodland creature. <laughs> <laughs> critted on by a woodland creature while you're taking a nap. <laughs> there's a there's an achievement I'll, called I'll fucking nap. hippie. <laughs> there is <laughs> fucking hippie. Deal no damage during an encounter. <laughs> <laughs> That's terribly funny. Oh, uh, how about this one? Imperial Marksmanship Academy. Score three ranged misses in one encounter. I feel like that that would uh, piss some people off, especially if you put change the icon from like a little dragon head to a little imperial helmet. <laughs> Stormtrooper. <laughs> Oh man, some of these are, are are little harder to get than others, and I think that's what makes it interesting as well. How about this one? 
there's been a really popular movie that just came out, and this one's called Clever Girl. <laughs> Flank and kill an unsuspecting enemy. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, man. Some of these are fantastic. What about this one? Get on with it. Get on with it! Talk out of character for a full minute. <laughs> now I'm, I'm more and more interested in giving just tons of these things out. <laughs> yeah. That probably pissed the players off. <laughs> yeah. To go along with our recent past episodes, um, there's a, an achievement called Objection. Uh, win a legal case in-game. Ooh, nice. That's a good so one. You, you guys were talking about your mm-hmm. cloak and dagger, the political intrigue, yep. and that, um, that, that court trial that you ran at, uh, at the table one time. Yes, um, that was so much fun, man. I still just I get you had to be there. <laughs> tub humping. Is that what that says? Yep. Tub thumping. Oh, tub thumping. <laughs> I get knocked down. And but I, I get, get up, up again. again. I get it. I get it. That's yeah. funny. Reach zero HP twice in an encounter. Get knocked down, but then get up again. Hey, Ian. Whose life is it anyway? Kill. And then me with an improv weapon. Yes. I am a huge fan of using improv, man. I love. If it can be used as a weapon, Toruk Makto will use it, even if it's another person. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. What are some other really good ones here? Oh, man. I just love this idea. There's one called Glutton for Punishment. Knowingly activate a trap. <laughs> what is this? Uh, blue Falcon? Falcon. Falcon Punch. What's the Blue Falcon? I don't know. I don't see that one. Oh, there it is. Blue Falcon. Thank you, Tate. Get your entire party dragged into trouble. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Karma's a bitch. Experience revenge from an old enemy. See, now this, this kind of goes into what I was talking about. They can be powerful tools for inspiring you as the DM to come up with a, a, a adventures. Because if you see, you know, this Karma's a bitch, you think, you know what? They fought that guy once and he got away. You might forget about stuff like this. So you can definitely um, uh, use it as a tool uh, in that um, to enhance your you know creative creative side okay this one's kind of funny i'm here to lead not read ignore a critical plot point (laughs) (laughs) that's good which happens quite a bit in some Uh, games it seems yeah it's true so yeah so some of the overruled (laughs) be ignored by the dm when citing rules (laughs) or Uh, or for all you airplane fans i speak jive act as the party translator Oh, that's hilarious. Actually, that just happened in our most recent game, didn't it? You guys were parlaying yeah. with the orcs, and several people had no idea what they were saying. <laughs> that was pretty cool. It was nice, because like, it's, it's especially cool when the, the character who is not fluent in whatever language is being used has an idea. I'd be like, well, tell them this. Uh, one, Sambridge was like, so I take it they're not coming with us, because uh, we were trying to get the orcs to come with us right. to help out with the main objective. Um, and my my character uh, had telepathy in every language, um, so I was able to communicate with the orcs. Sambridge's character couldn't, and I got done with my conversation. I'm like, yeah, they're not coming. And Sambridge is like, well, they should at least come watch. Tell them to come watch. And I was like, yeah, you're right. You should come watch. <laughs> that, was, that was fun. Which actually is uh, one of your, your guys' persuasive argument is the reason why they came and helped, which meant that that village didn't totally get overrun. So that's, uh, that's entirely uh, your guys' success. Well, um, so it's was pretty straightforward, which is, oh, yeah, which is basically bursting through a wall. <laughs> mm. 
Kool-Aid, yeah. That's funny. I like stuff like that. So, as you, I mean, there's a lot of really good stuff here. I think this idea is pretty awesome and can add a lot of, you know, fun to it. The other thing is, as of right now, this is more of a, a role-playing thing, but you could give rewards out for these things, too, for people make getting achievements, um, which is originally why I suggested that you only give them once, because otherwise they'll just continue to want to do the same thing over and over. But Oh, great. I just love a quote that I think would make a hilarious achievement. The full quote is from the uh, show American Dead. Son, there's only one thing you need to know about karate. Gun beat karate every time. <laughs> Gun beat karate. That's funny. Um, there's one on here that I thought was really interesting because you'll notice a lot of the stuff is in game, but some of it is out of game. Oh yeah. And this is the one that I think I think is the most harsh, and it's called play four quarters. Show up to four consecutive gaming sessions. Oh. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> that's almost like an impossibility for anybody but the DM. It seems. I showed up to every session. <laughs> yeah, you do. I got to give you props to that. Would you like an achievement? <laughs> Ding! We'll put it on your little uh, tent next time you fill it out. Um, so yeah, um, uh, to give these a little more um, in-game effects, you can also attach rewards to them. If you're one of those people who doesn't use the inspiration uh, reward system enough, this is a really cool tool for that because when they get an achievement, it can be a reminder that they have an inspiration point, which gives them a mechanical advantage in the game, which would also cause them to seek out these different um, achievements. And, of course, inspiration isn't the only reward you could give as well. Oh, heavens no. I mentioned uh, earlier, if you decided to like tier them by difficulty, you could even change the, the rewards. I came up with some pretty good uh, rewards I think would be good fillers for uh, different achievements or all achievements. You can mix and match them or just use one. If inspiration isn't your thing, maybe you just let them regain a hit die. Or maybe they instantly heal one hit dice worth of HP. They get like a token or something. Yeah, I would say each of these you give them like a, like a token reward or something. Uh, another one would be regain the use of one ability that recharges on a short rest. Um, what are some other ones you guys can think of? Du -du -du -du. You can impose. This would be cool. I think it'd be cool to like plant a magic item, like a, a good magic item that you weren't planning on using before, um, and putting it in the, putting it in the campaign somewhere as sort of karma and not overt, out of game. Like here is a hit die. Here is advantage on the next check. Doing something more implicit in the game that they might not, that you might not have planned before, um, but to reward the character for something. Can you give a good example? Um, like giving a, a a paladin or a fighter character that is especially that is going especially with what their character would do in the game, uh, one of these achievements or otherwise, um, maybe planting a really cool weapon for them to use. Um, oh, that's cool. If it's a spellcasting character, maybe uh, maybe a book that grants them temporary abilities to their. Um, so use the collection of achievements as a way to yeah. pass out like magical loot. I just saw yeah. a very very sad achievement for a player. What's that? Well, the, the uh, achievement would be attempting to betray someone and utterly failing at it. Oh no! What would it be called? You failed me for the last time, Star Scream. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Sarah's got a really good one here. Put the tard in tardy. That's, be the last person to the game. That is on the list. Oh, well, whatever. That's Sarah pointed it out. 
It is a good one. I like cookies too. Are you offering to make me cookies? Because I love peanut butter cookies. Chocolate chip at this one. I'm a sucker for. <laughs> um, some other rewards I think would be really cool. Um, you can gain an auto success on a skill check. I think that could be a very ba- valuable reward. I feel like if you gave that to somebody, they would hold on to the moment where it made the most difference. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. Like have this thing for like a year in a campaign. <laughs> Get to that final boss. Persuade him that everything he's done is wrong and why he's wrong. Boom. Auto success. That's something my, one of my players would do. That's something you would do, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> Achievement. So if I have a hit and only have one HP remaining. That's a it's good just one. a flesh wound. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, you, another reward could be you could uh, impose disadvantage on an attack roll uh, against you as a reaction. So you can give them kind of a, 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 um, a defense mechanic or token to kind of hopefully give, save them from an oh shit moment. Um, but uh, do you guys have any other, uh, any other cool uses or advantages to using uh, you know, campaign achievements? And maybe what are your thoughts if something like this was to come up in your game? Achievement. When you go first and end your turn adjacent to at least four enemies. Name. Here comes Leroy. Oh, God. <laughs> Honestly, I am surprised that that wasn't in there. I know, right? I thought it would be, but I didn't see it. Um, Dang it, Leroy. That about, that about covers it. It's, oh, yeah. It's really cool to, as, as the DM, to be able to reward your players however you'd like. Just, Justin likes doing advantages on checks and things, um, but the beauty of it is you can you can you can spin it however you want as long as it's fair. Oh yeah, Sarah says uh, I like the idea uh, to diversify. It can get stressful as a player when you don't get anything. You have no idea how right you are, and I think Strad. That's <laughs> that's one of the. Were you gonna say something else? Sorry, I was referring to the campaign, Gerald. Oh yeah, Strad. <laughs> um. One of the hardest things, at least for me in, as a DM, is to make sure everyone gets an opportunity to be in the spotlight. Um, and that's a very challenging thing to do. And then to, for instance, when you have a fight that several, all the other players might go two or three times, and the game match ends just before that last person's turn or something like that, and they don't get a magic item or any of that sort of stuff, um, it can feel kind of... Uh, it can kind of be sad sometimes. So being able to have an ulterior way to give benefits to the players in ways that can help them when the time comes, I think will really, it'll give a good needed, you know, bump of encouragement that, God, I know what I want to say, but I'm too stupid to figure out how I want it to come out. I think it adds a, something like this adds another t- reward system to the game that, will allow players to engage on a multiple levels, especially since people like to collect stuff. Um, and some people like that stuff more than other, but you might have the players that really like this sort of thing, and even the person that's not as interested might be interested just because they might get some mechanical benefit for like power gamer type stuff. But You got the touch. <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to touch on is if, you know, these come with little printouts that you could stick print out and then, you know, maybe keep track of if you wanted. Um, in our show notes is also what's called a badge maker from naturalcrit.com slash badges. Um, and you can actually make your own little achievement badges for each one if you want and make them all different um, for, for your players if you really wanted to get down and dirty with it. Uh, honestly, that's more work than I would do since the ones come with the logos and that's good enough for me. But 
Yeah, some of the feedback we're getting here from our uh, patrons here is uh, Kenny Ray says he's not sure if he likes a reward that definitely gives success. Advantage he's fine with, but all success, not so much, because it could take away from the challenge or the fights or the scenarios. And Tater's like, well, let's be careful about giving out too much advantage or too often to some players. Yeah, I, I can see that, but I also am the type of DM that likes to see my players succeed, but I'm also the same DM who nearly kills them all the time. Um, though it seems like it's been a lot less since I started running modules, doesn't it? A little bit? Yeah, so. Um, so I can definitely see both Kenny and uh, Edward Tate's uh, points there. And let's face um, it, there are some PCs out there that kind of need the help every now and then. Yeah. Um, I do see the risk of giving a 100% success rate, but I, you could also make that something super rare as well. <laughs> um, but, and make it worth it, because sometimes... They need they need that sometimes. Sometimes they need that win. You know what I mean? When you have a really, really bad night of bad, poor rolls, and they've got something that can turn the tide, sometimes you need that. That, that reminds me, I'll keep this brief. When I used to play Hero Clicks back in Mount Pleasant, we at the store had a shirt that said, I have perfected the art of rolling exactly what I need. Minus one. <laughs> and the house rule was, if you... Did it at least five times in a row in one game. You had to buy the shirt. Oh, jeez. And there was one tournament where I do not think I rolled a single success at, at all. So I had to buy the shirt. Yeah. Even the, the judge was like, wow, I do not think I've ever seen anybody roll that bad in one night. <laughs> I know that this may not be for every table. No. Um, but I, I do believe that if it's used correctly, it could add a new level to your game. D&D or otherwise. It's system, it could be system agnostic. You can easily change what the rewards are and what the titles are. Remember, though, to be successful with achievements, you must be interested. They must be... Remember, though, to be successful, the achievements must be interesting and meaningful. Oh, yeah. Either by using uh, samples that we've provided here or something you've come up with yourself. But consider how the achievements can be used to encourage players to engage in tasks they wouldn't normally do. Because that's really what it's about, right? Trying to open your players up to more options and, and encouraging them to do <laughs> different things. You know, for instance, we mentioned the one, you know, get knocked down three times and get up. Well, if you already got knocked down two times, what's one more? What's one more going to do? You know, charging recklessly and, 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 and go for that achievement, you know? A cheap idea. Where's the kaboom? Where's the earth shuddering kaboom? Best villain ever. Have your fire spell, ball spell, counter spelled. <laughs> or something to that effect, anyway. Hmm? Um, any last comments there, uh, Camden, before we move on? I would say one thing. If you're going to use inspiration, like act, actually giving extra extra dice to your players for stuff, um, I know like, it's very different to tell the player, you have a D6 of inspiration for the next thing. You have advantage on the next thing. What I would recommend as... Um, as DM is bring extra dice with you, um, preferably like pretty looking ones or unusual ones, and come ready with those and, and have the physical token of their inspiration to hand to them. Or have that dice that are so hideous that no same man would willingly own them, so we'll let you steal them. It'll stand out. <laughs> um, actually, I think when we're talking inspiration, I think we're talking about the D&D 5th edition mechanic, yeah. which just lets you roll two D20, an extra D20, which mm -hmm. according to the rules does have a limit of one. Um, but I definitely like what you're saying there. When uh, I know there was a bard that used to play in one of my games who always had a guitar pick, 
as his inspiration. He would just pass out fancy looking guitar picks, which, by the way, is awesome. That needs to be like a player tip or something. I, I think we've it. actually used that before. Yeah. Have we? We might have. Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is don't underestimate the power of having a physical manifestation of the inspiration rather than just saying you have inspiration on the next one. Because then that you just have to put that away as a mental note and remember, oh, I, I can roll this again if I want. But having the having a, f- a physical thing there to remind you is, is helpful for a lot of people. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, I briefly picture me as having a physical thing there to remind you. You have gained a point of inspiration. Reach under the table, slam down from the player a giant dragon statue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was one other reward that I really liked. Um, and I think I, I, I call it, uh, you ignore the effects of the next trap that hits you. Well, I would love something like that because I have lost too many wizards to stupid traps. I lost a wizard to a pit trap in his first adventure. I lost a wizard to a spectral hand coming through a door he tried to open. Yeah. Now he always uses mage hand to open doors. <laughs> Uh, all right, I think that'll do it for our main topic today. Before we move on to our final segment, our honor tips and tricks segment, we have one more gift to give away compliments of Loresmith. Each episode, we will draw another lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness, compliments of Loresmith. Loresmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with friends finding incredible places, and meeting colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create their first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one that you don't want to miss. Ian, who's our winner today? Our winner today is... Raven Games. Congratulations, Raven Games. If you enjoy your adventure, please head on over to Loresmith. Let them know what you think. Leave them a review. Tell them what you like, what you didn't like, and help them improve their product moving forward. All right. Uh, Our fourth and final segment, our honor tips and tricks, where we give you creative content for you to bring with you on your next adventure. Our character concept of the podcast is the chiropractor. (laughs) This character studied to be a healer of sorts. Uh, They developed techniques for manipulating pressure points around the spine. Applying great pressure through the back or other points around the body allows this character to control the flow of energy in the body, forcing the body to focus its recovery to certain areas, allowing the wounds to recover at a rapid pace. Uh, This is best, obviously, with a healer-type character. Uh, We have specifically here the Unearthed Arcana Monk uh, Tranquility tradition, the tradition of uh, tranquility that allows similar um mechanics yes um i'm glad glad you talked uh, talked about that i i think this is a ho- absolutely hilarious character concept whether it's the the monk traditional uh, the you the the monk tradition tranquility which is which you mentioned is uh, unearthed arcana where you're punching and, and throwing in pressure point punches to, to heal somebody. But I just love the idea of a big giant dummy healer who just bear hugs everyone when they're hurt and starts giving them smooches and stuff, but like cracks their back and then, you know, bends it in the wrong way or um, grabs them by the arm and, you know, jerks on their shoulders, rubbing them up and down, making sure that they, uh, they feel all fancy. Okay, I thought about two things with the examples just given. First one, obviously, Fist of the North Star. Yes. <laughs> And the other one was, uh, did you ever watch the uh, show How I Met Your Mother? Kind of. A running gag was, like, there was, everybody in the office had a nickname, mm-hmm. and one of them was Awkward Massage Guy. 
It gets up here of nowhere, so you can get start giving people like back massages. <laughs> yeah, um, I just I thought it would be funny to have somebody that you know that runs around and you know jerks around the players and and picks them up and bear hugs them to to you know crack their back or or like bends them over in combat and like twist their twist their arms so their whole you know I just think that whole idea of flavor would get be funny. And I think it would get funnier and funnier the more you played through. You have stiff joints. Yeah, I fix. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys, uh, there was an old episode of The Simpsons where uh, uh, Homer's back was bugging him pretty hardcore, and then he, he tripped and fell over his trash can, and it, it fixed his back. So then all his buddies felt like crap, so then he just put, they pushed them all over the trash cans, and then it fixed their back. So I could just oh, imagine yeah. having a big barbarian who's got a really big giant rock that he just carries with him as like his melee weapon, but then tosses it down and like throws his allies over top of it to like bend their back and, and fix their joints and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I fix. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was goofy and would be fun and immediately reminded me of uh, those old, you know, um, chakra people. Yep. You know, so in either case, I think you could use it uh, going either direction. Um, Camden, do you think any, you have anything else you'd like to talk about about that? Or? No, I, I just think it's especially it's especially cool to use this as a reflavor for healing spells. Yeah. Because it's very easy to be the cleric and be like, I... I extend my hands and they glow and my uh, the, symbol, the, the symbol of my deity glows and the halo theme plays and that's it's pretty generic <laughs> this is a really cool flavoring of like a, 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 a way to heal your a big old goliath just come and like punches you in the back and whoa <laughs> wow I feel a lot more limber than I have in years and I don't feel like smoking anymore <laughs> I don't know. I think, like I said, I think it could be fun. I like to play big, goofy guys, so I th- I would love to play a healer like even like a-, a paladin would be really good with something like this with their lay on hands and the lay on hands is them just like bending them over their knee backwards on their back. <laughs> um, that'll do it for our character concept, the chiropractor. Ian, do you want to tell us about our monster variant? Our monster variant is the Bang Babies. Although reading the description. Could they be called Boom Babies? That's what it was originally, and I changed it. I like Boom Babies. Yeah, so I got a... I like I, the Empress New Groove. <laughs> I had a... Uh, a, a, a uh, let me find this. I, got, I had a tweet Boom, from a, a listener who asked me, or asked us, rather, what type of uh, variant we would make for him to run in his um, Lost Minds of Fandelver because he had some... He had some players who had already done it. Yeah. And his name is Roll for Laughs. Yes, Roll for Laughs asks about it. So immediately, the first thing I came up with was, well, well, he first he said he wanted a, a, a reflavor. So instead of the, the boom baby, he got a porcupine type hedgehog creature that had claws instead of a for slashing instead of a a scimitar and instead of its bow it reflavored it as he could spin really fast and shoot a barrage of uh you know spines at the at the enemy which is essentially just like a sonic the hedgehog thing that i came up with um but for this one um oh do you want to uh finish up tell what the abilities are and we can talk about it a little bit yeah the uh, bang babies the origin of this is a goblin but they also gain the booming blade cantrip, and you replace their short bow with frostbolt or the frostbite cantrips. Got fun. 
Um, and so this kind of came up um, because I, I, I love to find ways to get more uses out of the different features monsters have. In this case, uh, the goblins have a very specific ability called Nimble Escape, which allows them to disengage or hide as a bonus action. <laughs> so I thought, well, if that's the case, what happens if they attack them with like Booming Blade, which punishes you for what? Moving. For moving. You hit them with this attack. Now, the damage isn't much bigger. I think it's like a, a point bigger than what they were doing or something like that. But the punishment comes if they decide to chase the goblin because the goblin just runs and hits and runs away. <laughs> and now that they're at a distance, they can channel uh, like a frost bolt, which slows the enemy down, meaning they can't catch up as easily. Yep, I'm definitely picturing Nelson from The Simpsons. <laughs> Camden, what do you think about this? I think this is uh, I think this is awesome, especially given the context that this was designed to be in place of just normal gabos in a in a campaign that people have already played before. I'm all for slight tweaks um, and unexpected action. Well, and especially if you have played the adventure before, right. and this thing runs up, hits you, and run away, and you start humming with energy, and you chase after, it and you know, um, I love stuff like this. I think that this is fun, very fun, and I think that. While I don't think mechanically they outdo the critters uh, in as much damage, but I think by utilizing their running away more and locking the players down, I think it can definitely turn the same number of goblins into a more tactic-heavy encounter than it previously was. Who doesn't just like throwing your players off? Yeah. I know I do. (laughs) So that'll do it for our monster variant. Our encounter of the podcast comes from Twitter user Snicklesocks. A stolen gnomish flying machine has been terrorizing the land, killing from the air. Your team is tasked with collecting the supplies to build another machine and appointing one of your group to hunt down the villain. The gnome warns, this may be a one-way trip. Uh, Uh, I love this. This is awesome. (laughs) <laughs> I love stuff like this because not only does it get you off the ground and into the air, but the players are involved in the assembly of said thing, which means as a DM and the douche that I am, even if they were doing all their skill checks and failed, I wouldn't tell them until they were in the air. I said use the Y joint. <laughs> I think this to me, this is an opportunity for many different things. One's because they're involved in it. Um, that's always fun. Because now you have to set up running quests for them to get the components and stuff, which is fun in and of itself. But more importantly, it involves them in the 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 story in a way that it's not just it's not just something that's been given to them. So now once they've assembled it, it's something that they own. And that to me is huge. Until it crashes. Now, Camden, what do you think they'd be dropping out of those? Like weapons? Like bombs? Oh yeah, that would be a good one. I could ma- imagine uh, dropping little bombs. Bring it down the house. Or throw think, the ranger inside with a bow. Oh, there you go. Or the so mage. I think, I think this is cool. I think the two coolest parts of these, the first one you already mentioned, is that this this main objective kind of uh, gives way to a bunch of smaller objectives where they need to collect the parts and figure out how to build something. And then once they have it built, I think the second coolest part to this is figuring out their strategy once they're off the ground to, to, to catch the stolen uh, the stolen craft from the criminal whoever uh, stole it. I'm going to call it a dirigible. Okay. I'm going to um, say it's a dirigible. It's a dirigible. I'm totally... To catch, to catch the dirigible. So you could do... You could have something really cool where 
um, they task the they task you know the smartest character, the ca- character with the highest intelligence or the most savvy with driving things, maybe um, depending on uh, depending on how your PCs are built. And you could be like, okay, we're gonna build this. You you can have them create their own craft as specific as they want. Oh, that's clever, Tater. Uh, Use Legos. And like come up with a plan like, okay, as soon as we can we can hover above the dirigible and drop our fighter in there and have him <laughs> incapacitate the driver. Or we can we can build like a like a underbelly turret for our wizard to shoot shit out of. Something like that. That's really um, cool. Have to worry like with the uh, going. You, you could do a lot of cool stuff with this. Have a work with the feat that doubles cantrip spell range, and on top of that, take the invocation that increases the uh, Eldritch Blast range to a crap ton. Yeah. Now, I while I think that's cool, I don't know that a player would specifically build their character for this unless it was like a one encounter. Right. But what I could see them doing is if they, you know, they collectively find that they have these. Figuring out what the character, the the party's um, strengths are, and like you said, utilizing them in the assembly of this. Um, you know, I, I don't know why. I love the idea. You know, you you, you remember those uh, those old uh, fighter uh, fighter jets that had the little domes underneath with the little Ball machine turrets. guns. Yeah, yeah, that's the, exactly what I was thinking. Um, what if you have one that's glass, and then the mage has got his hands just sticking out of it, and he's. Just get a bunch of crazy pieces and dump them and have them put, put it together. Oh, that's hilarious. That'd be really funny. Uh, Edward, That's Edward Tate in regards to like Legos or Connects and stuff like that. That, that I think, is cool. Having like a physical assembly thing that they can do would idea. be really, really cool. We built a plane, and we didn't even use all the parts. But <laughs> going back to what I said earlier, you obviously are going to use skill checks to do this. And while failure is, oh, you didn't successfully assemble that, Failure, oh, you didn't successfully assemble that, but you're already in the air is far more interesting to me. Like, like maybe the guy that assembled that dome on the bottom that the wizard is casting his blast out of didn't do a very good job, and the wizard's in there as, like, a bolt falls out over and over and over. <laughs> at, which point, at which point it makes things more interesting. You can throw saving throws at them, or if they want to try to fix something, intelligence mm-hmm. checks, like that. that. Love it. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it. This is a, a, a great encounter. Um, it, I can't recommend Snickle Socks enough. Uh, his Twitter page is full of stuff like this, so definitely check him out. That'll do it for our encounter of the podcast. Oh, great! Now I'm thinking about one line from uh, Helsing Abridged. We have one advantage that they do not: Zeppelins. <laughs> <laughs> that was an Avatar too, wasn't it? The Last Airbender. They, they did something like that. Yeah, where they thought they had this huge advantage because they could fly, and then they let their balloon like disappear, and they took it and. Yeah, well, that didn't work out very well. No. Um, so, uh, Camden, would you like to do our magic item? Sure. Um, our magic item is the Battle Barding Amulet. Uh, this is uh, designed for a beast or a, an, a pet, an animal companion, or any sort of NPC companion that you might have traveling with you for a long period of time. Real quick, has anybody seen any magical items in any of the books that are for the companions, the, the beast pets? Not to my knowledge. Because I couldn't find anything, and I didn't know if I overlooked something. Not to my knowledge. I'll talk about a, a beloved game of mine that actually does make pretty extensive use of pet buffs. Um, okay. But first, um, this, uh, this magic item, it's a red wooden amulet that hangs from a vine-like necklace. The amulet itself has ancient has the ancient elven symbol for comrade engraved into it. 
When activated, a wild green flame like nature energy surrounds your animal companion, increasing their defenses as well as their offense as well as their offensive abilities. As a bonus action, you speak the command word, unleashing the ferocity contained in the amulet. The beast wearing this amulet gains the following effects for one minute. Resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing. When it makes a melee weapon attack using strength, it gains a bonus to the damage roll equal to your proficiency modifier. It becomes especially swift in its movements, and when it makes a melee attack against a creature, it doesn't provoke opportunity attacks from that creature for the rest of its turn, whether it hits or not. And Samus Nil does a cooldown for the item. Yes, this effect yes, cannot be used again until the next dawn. Um, yes, uh, I actually had, I, this isn't the exact one because I couldn't find my paperwork, but I had something very similar for my Beastmaster uh, player, and it really helped him with some of, because he felt really underpowered. Oh well, yeah, he's playing a Beastmaster. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, Sam, I was hastily editing it. Um, and I had something very similar like this because he felt underpowered. Now, I, there was something else I did that made him far more, uh, more, I let his beast attack as a bonus action. So that really brought him in par with some of the other damaging, uh, effects like he wanted. But this was a good way to, um, make him feel like his pet had power because he was complaining that, hey, this is the only class where I get a really cool pet and it doesn't fucking do shit. Nope. Um, but in this case, um, we increase his damage, we make him more tanky. Um, you know an archetype is bad when even uh, Watsi says, we may have screwed up with this one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, can, it has the mobile feet, basically. So it basically allowed this critter who died all the time to not die as easily. Now, he would only ever use it in boss fights, because it was once a day, but it was enough that when they were in big boss fights that his critter didn't get one-shotted, or that... It, um, actually, the original idea came, because I'm a nerdy World of Warcraft player, the, uh, the Beastmaster Hunter has a pet that turns their, their pet like red, and they, they reduce damage, their damage goes up, and they reduce receive damage, and output goes up, and all this other... They used to call it the Kool-Aid specs, they turn red, but... Uh, uh, it was it that's where I got the idea from, and it turned out working very, very well. Dude, even the hexblade gets a better pet than the ranger. Yeah, well, so does the so does the uh, the wizard. The wizard's fine familiar spell is a far superior pet, not in damage, but the fact that it can ensure that that rogue gets advantage on his next attack and shit like that. And a hexblade can turn the enemy they kill into a specter. <laughs> that's that's awful. I know, right? Hmm? So the game that. that I wanted to talk about. Is a little game called Torchlight 2. Oh, yeah. And Torchlight 2 is objectively an awful game. <laughs> I like Torchlight. It's tons of fun to play with friends. It's a good, like, sit down, dungeon and crawl game. Um, I play with my college friends all the time. And uh, one of my favorite mechanics in the game is they actually treat your pets as an extension of your own character. That's pretty cool. Um, offer tons of opportunities to give it. Uh, give it amulets, give it uh, tags. You can give them actual tags um, that give them certain abilities mm -hmm. um, as well as feeding them uh, different food. You can go fish for things and feed the, your pet the fish that gives them abilities for a certain amount of time. Oh, that's cool. Um, but the biggest so thing you use a pet... That's, that's what this reminded me of. The biggest thing you use a pet for though in Torchlight is to make it carry your crap back to town and sell it for you. That's the <laughs> best part, yes. <laughs> actually, I remember Penny Arcade actually made fun of that where should like, uh, okay, boy, take my stuff back and sell the town. Dog goes back to the shopkeeper town. 
What? More stuff? Fine, but I'm only giving you 200 gold this time. And the dog shows back up to the, uh, to the player character. 30 gold? Good dog! What the hell? <laughs> Dog's giving off the top. That's funny. Still, that's how you've got to pay for those kibbles and bits, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's one thing I was looking at really quick because under the, the Beastmaster archetype for the Ranger. I remember back in the playtest when the Ranger could actually get... No, when the Druid could also get ammo companions. In fact, in the playtest, one guy summoned the Tyrannosaurus as, as his companion. It was great. <laughs> okay, so the seventh uh, level thing says... Uh, your beast companion doesn't attack. Uh, you can use it to a uh, bonus action to command it to dash, disengage, dodge, or take the help action. I think I let him use a bonus action to take the help action, like the find familiar. Yeah. I treated it more like the find familiar spell uh, summon than I did the beastmaster, and I think that really added a lot of balance to it. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I think that uh, that'll do it for this uh, battle barding amulet. Like I said, it's the first animal companion item I've seen. Uh, mostly because I made it, but um, I hope that people like it. it. I haven't seen nothing like it. Maybe I'm onto something. Maybe I make a little book of animal companions. Hey, now Maybe. your Beastmaster doesn't have to suck. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> um, also, I just love the idea of like the energy blowing around this thing and, and just intimidating yeah. as hell. Uh, that'll do it for our magic item. Our Dungeon Master tip of the podcast is video clips. Now, this sounds weird, but I was on Twitter... And I saw, uh, uh, it was a different game, and I, I think it was Starfinder. One of the DMs created a video that was like a recruiting ad for his game for his players. Because they had to like pick a faction. So he had these three different recruiting ads that he had, and then they had to choose a faction based on these ads that he made. Which I thought was just awesome. I was like, man, what other uses can, can, could you have for something like that where you record a short video and, and show it to the players, maybe 10, 15 seconds, not, not that uh, long? Oh, I have a question from Sam here. It says, how do you limit familiar or companion spamming the help action? I don't. You don't. Because Find Familiar already does that. Yeah, that's what it's there for. What I have done is if it gets too annoying, um, the enemies will attack them. And then they die. And then they have to wait till after combat or burn a spell slot to bring them back. Yep. Um, find familiar and companions taking the help action is part of the game. And like, for instance, with the, the wolf thing, if he bites on and he, he grabs onto the arm, sure, he's not doing damage, but you know how hard it is to fight with a sword with a freaking wolf yanking on your arm or on your leg. Or you see, We've all seen the movies of the people being attacked by the little chihuahua. You know, it's annoying as hell. Makes it hard to work. So um, at that point, if it becomes a problem, any intelligent creature would just shoot the thing or stab it or something, you know? Oh, not about the dog from the, the John Wayne movie, Big Jake. Yeah. Now, the, the, other, the, the real issue comes is with, like, the, the, the owl who has flyby, so they can't just, like, melee attack him. They would have to stop and shoot him, but um, that's, a, that's a trade-off for that. Shoot it, and it dies usually in one shot. <laughs> so I don't worry about this so much. Um, so anyways, back to the, the video clips. Um, so here are some ideas that I came up with, and I would love to hear your guys' uh, thoughts on it as well. You can use the video uh, to create cutscenes with a voice uh, for great introductions. So, for instance, your, your, your group first makes it for the first time to Waterdeep. And you can have a little clip that shows this massive you know, image of Waterdeep, and it's kind of showing different pictures of Waterdeep as you narrate maybe two or three lines of lore about Waterdeep, that it's you know, this massive trade town and, and, and blah, 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 whatever. Um, I think 
having a, a screen set up and showing them that would have a really big impact on the size of it, especially if you can get a really good set of pictures, different pictures that actually show the image or show the, the, the city layout and everything. Um, uh, another thing is, is uh, if they are going into you know uh, a forest for the first time, say you're level one and you, you they go looking through the the dark evil misty swamp or whatever, and they when they finally approach you, play a short clip that's got like you know dark you know night music with all the crickets and everything, and it shows like fog and this really nice artwork. I think little things like that can add add to the um, the moment, kind of like you would see in like a video game or something along those lines. Or even a movie, I guess. Um, and then the other thing I thought, w- the other two things I thought would be cruel is fortune telling. Um, there's a lot of uh, like little fortune telling games that you could cut just like a, a little scene out of, and 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 play it uh, as you tell a f- ominous fortune to the PCs. You know, there's a couple videos I found just googling real quick where it shows some you know creepy old lady throwing you know bone dice or something like that. And just say, hey, this you see this dark, dark, you know, curly-haired woman, and she throws these, these, you know, dragon knuckles on there, and they they skitter around. You can t- just say that, but if you show a small video clip, that adds to it. And then the last thing I thought would be really cool is using it as a powerful tool for scrying. Maybe a powerful wizard could show them information in the form of magic mirror or, or something, you know, the quote-unquote using the video for something like that. Um, what do you guys think about that? Well, Tate said he. D- doesn't see himself editing video, but he can see himself using a PowerPoint. That, yeah, that could do it too. Yeah. What about you, Camden? Mr. Audio Editor, say. Mr. Producer, Mr. Great Man? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, not everyone is as uh, proficient as, as, as me in editing things. No, I'm not talking about anyone in particular. <laughs> me? Um, that'd be an awesome idea, just to use uh, simply a PowerPoint, but... Really, I guess the takeaway from this is any sort of additional visual. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone who's familiar with Critical Role, um, when they first started their very first campaign to help like dip people's toes into their characters, they before every episode they played like fifteen solid minutes of their characters' backstories, and they're all voice actors, so they're really good at telling their backstories. But that with it was simply just a slideshow of MTG art. Mm-hmm. that was relevant to their character and their uh, their race and their class and everything. So any any sort of visual would is brings a lot to the campaign. Yeah, that was actually a great example and I don't know why I didn't think about it because that was really awesome. If you can put something together and you could even take like little cutscenes from movies and stuff that exist already. You wouldn't you don't have to necessarily make your own like for instance um if uh, I was talking about like a I'm 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 reading, I'm listening to Aragon right now, so I'm going to talk about that. Uh, if I wanted to describe and show my players Dewelden Varden, I could easily find footage of like Skyward video of massive forests with, you know, giant waterfalls and, and, and all this stuff and just show like a 10 second clip with a brief description that I'm overlaid with it or that I'm talking as it's, as it's going um, to really add that oomph. You know what I mean? Because everyone says, yeah, you enter a big, dark, creepy forest. That's fan. That's, that's awesome. But to show a video of something like that can really bring bring it home. So, um, I just thought that was super cool with the Starfinder thing. Um, yeah, did you have any uh, points on that, Ian? Not that I didn't already say. All right, um, that'll do it for our Dungeon Master tip of the podcast. And apparently, Ed says uh, 
If we're all that great, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> Actually, I was like, he says, we're still waiting for you to reach the greatness you think you are. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, New York Tater. Okay, so our uh, our final unearth tips and trick is our player tip. Don't be a dick. And you can avoid dickitude by... Mending master. Becoming a mending master. That's a really good one. Camden, do you want to tell us about that? Sure. So this is obviously revolving around the mending can trip that you can take in uh, several spellcasting classes. And this, this just goes along the vein of not being a dick by helping out your fellow PCs, in this case specifically with the mending cantrip. This is a hugely underrated cantrip in that you can use it to literally fix anything really that is, is not organic. You can't use it to heal people. You can't use it to like mend a broken bone or anything, but... If you have, um, if you have a, someone who's really heavy on weapons and they rolled a one in the last encounter and their sword broke or something, or if you have someone who's trying out the gunslinger artificer thing, their shit breaks all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can uh, use this cantrip. It's a cantrip. You can use it as many times as you want. Um, oh, yeah. But help out, help out your, uh, your fellow PCs in fixing their shit. You can repair broken arrows, damaged armor, damaged weapons... Um, if you encounter an ooze, oozes break shit. You can fix that. Even um, mid-combat, actually. If a player yeah. said I wanted to mend his weapon after it had like a minus three or four net modifier, I would have no problem with that. Suck it, Rockbuster. <laughs> but Camden, what about some of the stuff that's not related to just simple breaks? You can break down a wooden object and hollowing it out and then placing the object you want inside and then casting mending around that to seal the object inside of um of the, the the enclosure i guess you could say yeah i could see like a like a, somebody using a staff and carrying their secrets inside of the staff and then mending it back together so if maybe they die or something it's like their will and testament or maybe their most powerful spells or something who knows um i really like uh uh it, it it's a powerful anti-theft device did you know that can be yeah. do you know that camden I did, I did not. For instance, uh, if you don't want your cart stolen uh, by thieves, you can break off the, uh, break the wheels and go bury the wheels and then just mend them when you come back. That's crazy. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> what about repairing damaged art and then increasing its sale value? <laughs> Has actually happened to me. One of my players like, um, so how, de- how badly damaged is this statue? Uh, he, yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad. He's only going to give you, uh, you know, a few hundred gold. He's like, well, what if I mend it? Give me 10 minutes because I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, and then there was a very unique one I've seen. How many of you guys have had rogues pick uh, handcuffs or stuff? Pick handcuffs or get out of handcuffs? A lot. Happens pretty regularly. Would you agree, Camden? I, I would say so. What if your player approached you and says, I would like to talk to a blacksmith about creating a pair of handcuffs that don't disconnect and have no lock? But can I do that? Um, Sure. All right, now can he break it? What? So that way I run into somebody, I can mend them on their wrists, and they aren't getting out of that shit at all. <laughs> Another thing you could use it for uh, would be the secret pass it, password. You ever seen anything like this, you guys? Mm-mm. Where you give a, you break something in half and give it to two different pe- or to, to another person you trust. Um, and the only way they can return is if the part that they mate matches. Um, it's great for IDing people too. Um, if somebody shows up 
if, if Camden shows or leaves and I'm worried that somebody's going to disguise himself as him or come back and doesn't have that item or does have a, a, a duplicate of the, the, the key, you can mend them back together um, to con or use the men to try to mend them back together. Now, the idea is that if it's not the mating one, it shouldn't, it shouldn't work. But uh, yeah, I think I don't know how well that works in fifth edition versus older editions, but uh I definitely think it has a million and one uses that I don't see often enough for it being such a powerful cantrip. Yeah, it's really cool. What is the most uh, clever thing you've seen done with them, uh, either of you? I think you actually came up with more than a few that I've already seen already, so good job. Um, Edward says, are the cuffs a one-time use thing? It's like, well, till you break them. <laughs> Which also comes with the, uh, the problem. I think the solution was heat metal the last time. When it was used, they used heat metal to soften it and pry it loose. Um, unfortunately, it burnt the person wearing them. Um, yeah. He's like, yeah, well, if you weren't such a bad guy that needed to capture you, you wouldn't be getting hurt. <laughs> I'm like, that's an adequate uh, response, I suppose. That's, uh, that's a really good tip. That'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't be a dick. And you can avoid dickitude by being a mending master. God, I want to take the mending cantrip now. I wonder what other ways I can think of that using that. Like, that could be just, like, his job. Like, he's just a repairman, and all he does is mend stuff. That'd be, like, the best repairman. How is anything in disarray in, in a fantasy world with shit like this? That'd be a, that'd be a good character concept yeah. uh, for a transmutation wizard. Yeah, just, oh, um, your door is fixed? Um, that'll be three silver. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the repairman. You know what? I'm going to edit that out. I might put that as next week's uh, character concept. That's funny. Okay. Like that. Anyways. That'll do it for our show today, I think. But before we close out, we have one more gift to give away. It's been a long few days of travel, and the adventurers are tired of eating rations and sleeping on the ground. The road opens to a small town with an inviting tavern. The smells of grilling meat and ale fill their nostrils, and the sound of laughter and music float out the tavern's door. Unlucky for the adventurers, they've stumbled upon Dragon's Breath Tavern. What starts out as a pleasant evening of food, drink, and entertainment soon evolves into an adventure that takes the party into and under Dragon's Breath Tavern. The adventure includes roleplay, exploration, combat, and a dice game called Demon Dice. Camden, who is our winner of Jeff Stevens' Dragon's Breath Tavern? This week's winner of Dragon's Breath Tavern is Michael Nanaman. That'll do it for our show today. Please join us on our next episode where we hear feedback from you, our heroes. We will be discussing Metamorphica, a collection of system agnostic mutation tables. I'm super excited for this one. I picture somebody growing out their arm. Oh, dude, if that was only. There's, there, it's, this thing has like over 500 different like different things that you can combine and make infinite number of combinations. So That's I'm super, super stoked to talk about that a little bit, which is weird because it was actually uh, introduced to me like a year and a half ago, and it's been sitting in my Google Drive forever, and I'm just now getting to it. Yeah. Um, so I'm super stoked. Um, so actually, do you want to take that? If you have any feedback on those tips and tricks or topics you'd like to discuss, please send them and you can email them to us at creditcommy at gmail.com 
or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Crit Academy. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed your experience here at Crit Academy this week. If you did, you can help others find the show by leaving a five-star review on iTunes at, or on your platform of choice. Uh, we're on Spotify as well. Um, that's where a lot of people seem to find us, which is awesome. Or you can simply send us a message telling us how much you enjoyed the show. Um, please also make sure to give us a like and a share on your uh, social medias. And make sure to subscribe to our show at creditcommunity.com so we can help you on your future adventures as well as a chance to win cool prizes each and every week. You will find our fellowship member links there for the Crit Nation Fellowship. I can't recommend checking out uh, Inner Party Conflict uh, enough. Gabe and Jeff do an amazing job, and their show is a lot like our Let's Talk About Blank segment where they answer your questions to help bring you the best tabletop experience possible. Man, they're great. I wish our quality was as good as theirs. They just, like, they got really expensive mics, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and also check out D&D Character Lab. Uh, those guys do uh, a bard-like battle every single week with new and very creative characters that they go so much in-depth on. Um, and do just an amazing job. They were actually just on one of the more recent episodes of uh, Interparty Conflict as well, and that was a really great episode. So you guys really awesome. got to check those both out, as well as you'll find links to our sponsorship members, as well as other group members of our Crit Nation uh, Fellowship, because it's not just podcasts. It's community sites like Oricon's Lair and, and Game Master Stash. Um, you check them out and go take a look. There's always some good stuff there. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Camden. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. (laughs) 